0: Thank you for being here today. Good to see you. We have been walking through the New Testament, five chapters a week, completing the book of Matthew and Mark, and now we are in the book of Luke. I'd like to give you a quick overview of Luke. We're going to chapters 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. In chapter 2, we get the birth of Jesus. He's presented in the temple. Chapter 3, you get John the Baptist. And then the genealogy of Jesus in the book of Luke, which is different than the genealogy of Jesus in the book of Matthew. It actually goes an opposite way. Uh, what else is interesting is Luke is an author... That writes about he's a Gentile he's a doctor so he wouldn't see Jesus necessarily as Messiah King but he would see him as Messiah man and when you look at the genealogy number one the way the genealogy runs is different and the people in the genealogy are different so one of the things that I've found unique we, we all well, many of us did this in 2017 as a church read through the New Testament so five years later now we're doing it again and I've read, you know, I mean, it's my job, right, to read the Bible. So I read it and study it, and I've been doing this for 30-plus years, 40 years. So I'm still seeing things that just jump out that I, I didn't recognize before. What a, fascinating, what a fascinating book, right? So I'm listening the other day, and I'm listening to the genealogy of Christ, and I listen to, now again, the order is different, but you know you have Obed and Jesse and David, and Solomon in the writings of Matthew, because Matthew is looking at Messiah King. But if you'll read, and I won't won't give the spoiler today, but if you'll read that carefully, you will not read Solomon in Luke's account. Matthew was looking at the kingship. wasn't even the father, really. Just the brother that was the king got mentioned. Whereas it's different in the book of Luke. And so some of these unique nuances are very interesting. So you'll see that in chapter 3. Chapter 4, the temptation of Jesus, the rejection, uh, the first disciples in chapter 5, many, many healings. And then in chapter 6, you'll get Luke's version of the uh, Sermon on the Mount, a little piece of that. So you have that as a bit of an overview. And I haven't really been doing overview. Uh, again what I just said what I what's been striking me these things that I'm seeing that are they're just kind of unique and they hook into my into my heart and they hook into my mind and so uh, I'm gonna share one of those with you as well this morning something that just just kind of hooked my attention this week what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at Luke 4 and we're gonna read Luke, uh, Luke 4 I'm gonna read just the first story which If you've been tracking with us in in Matthew, the temptation of Christ, and when Jesus went into the wilderness and Satan approached him, this is Luke's version of that. I'm reading out of the NIV. It should be up on the screens, Luke 4, and we'll read down 1 through 13. Verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. Let's just capture that first line. Pay attention to that first line. It might matter in a minute. (laughs) Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. At the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, tell the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. He said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor, for it's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written... He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answers, verse 12. It says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then verse 13. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Satan did the tempting, the back and forth. He left him. Until an opportune time. So sometimes it helps to have a title. Let me give you something to think about. Think about this. We're going to talk about this today. When opportunity knocks. He tempted him. He failed. But he didn't give up. If Satan is anything... He's not a quitter. He said, I'll just wait for an opportune time. Satan was 0 for 3 by the time we got to verse 13, right? Tried him here, tried him here, tried him here. But by verse 13, his win-loss record is 0 for 3. But that was likely because of what we read in verse 1. Do you remember what we read in verse 1? Jesus being full of the Spirit. Let me just go out here on record right now and say that when we're walking around full of the Spirit, that won't be an opportune time. Not an opportune time for Him to come after us because we are full of the Spirit. When you are a manipulator and when you are a user, you look for an easy mark. If I'm wanting to steal a TV, I walk up to one house, there's an F-350, the front plate is Ruger, there's a gate around the thing and three dogs in the yard, I'm going to look over at the other house that's got the Prius, right, right, I'm like, I can tackle one or the other, you know. If the Lord's speaking to you, Teresa, just let the Lord talk to you. Right? You're going to pick your mark. The person that's together, the person that's alone. When you're a manipulator, and when you're a user, pass on that, a pass on that, pass on that one, pass on that one. That looks promising. Jesus being full of the spirit. You see, Satan was defeated, but he was not done. As a lion, his plan is to wait. Satan is an amazing waiter. He's an incredible waiter. He'll wait, target the animals, target the people, just like the lion does. How does the lion work? Marlon Perkins, anybody? Wild Kingdom, yes, yes, yes. For those of you that don't know Margin, Marvin Perkin, Marlon Perkins, Marlon uh, Perkins, Siri will help you later. Wild Kingdom, man, in the 70's, when I was a kid, I loved watching that show every week. Watching the lions, watching the cheetah, race, race, race. They target the newbies, They target the sick they target those on the edge of the herd. When you're a predator, you look for the new, the new that aren't yet founded. You look for the sick and you look for those that are isolated, they're on the edge of the herd. That's just how it works. You know the difference between hunting in the United States and hunting in Africa? So as a, a deer hunter, I'm not really a deer hunter, I'm a deer watcher. Yeah, I don't, I've never harvested a deer. I've taken my bow and arrow out there. Emma and I have gone many times into the woods. Possibly it's the Cheetos and the Skittles and the other things that we have with us that the deer smell and don't come close. But I'm not really a deer hunter, I'm more of a, a deer watcher, a deer hoper. When I sit out there, and if I'm out there by myself and I'm up in a tree, I've got a tree stand, the biggest thing I have to worry about, fear gripping my heart, is that I fall asleep and fall out. Like, that's the biggest potential obstacle in my way to cause me harm. I am not worried about the deer circling me and, like, coming in with hooves. Not worried about it. Not here. Not when I walk in the woods, not here, not in the States. You know the difference between hunting in the States and hunting in, say, Africa? When I'm in the United States hunting, I'm the hunter, and that's the end of that sentence. When I'm in Africa, every moment that I'm hunting, I'm being hunted. Something has its eyes on me every moment that I'm out there. Every moment. Our walk with God is much more like hunting in Africa. When I talk to students and those in recovery, I tell them, there's going to be a test after our class today. And they're like, we're having a quiz today? Oh, I didn't say it was today. I said it's after our class today. There's a test coming. And then ultimately all the light bulbs go off and they're like, oh right, there is a test coming. Yeah, except I'm not the one facilitating it. Life will be the one that facilitates it. You'll be walking down the road, there is a test coming. I often say, there is a tiger waiting in the grass down the path. Can't tell you where it's gonna be, I don't know when it's gonna happen, but I can promise you that there is a lion waiting down the path. I will promise you that. I will promise it to those in recovery, I will promise it to us. As disciples of Christ, an opportune time, he doesn't give up. He's willing to wait, but he doesn't give up. He will posture and hide and wait, looking for an opportune time. He did it for Jesus, he'll do it for us. That's what I want to talk to you about when opportunity knocks. That lion goes after the new calf, right? The youth, the newly newly minted Christian, the newly minted disciple. Here's what's going on in that sometimes. I don't know if anybody else can speak to this as a newbie Christian, but I had a lot of fire, I had a lot of purpose, I had very little wisdom, and I was a little bit arrogant. Come on now. I just had a little bit of that going. I see this as my over, like I was overcome with this need to prove, like I needed to show. My, my aged uh, Christian life now, down the road a few decades, and i said it, I don't feel any compulsion whatsoever to be Jesus' defense attorney. I just feel no compulsion to do that whatsoever. If he can't, if he can't prove himself, I don't know what to say. Like, I'll tell you about the change he's done in my life. I will talk to you about it. But, like, feeling like it rises and falls on me, that's something I've grown into and actually, I think, matured into an understanding. But there was such this, this need to, to prove. It was Satan's plan against Jesus, if you think about what we just read. Two of the three temptations weren't sin, they weren't sin. It's no sin to jump off the temple. Satan quoted the scripture, didn't he? He said, it's written that he'll give his angels charge over you. This is a done deal. This is a no-brainer. Jump off the temple and you get saved. That's not a sin. Unless it is. He was hungry. I don't think it's a sin to break your fast. But his fast was over. It wouldn't even have been breaking his fast. He fasted 40 days. It was done. Scripture gives us us some insight. He was hungry. We're like, "Uh, yeah, right? Forty days hungry. Make bread. That wasn't about eating. It was about proving. Jesus was tempted to prove himself. Now, I am surely not the only one that has walked that journey feeling the pressure to prove. And I think it's a newbie mistake. I think it's a new calf Mistake. What's my response? Jesus' response is, get into the Word, right? An understanding of here's what the Word says, and here's what the Word says, and here's what the Word says. Bo and I were talking yesterday. We were talking about something else, and he asked me a question about, about the Word of God and how it comes out and how I say things and how I present stuff. And how does that happen? He said he, said, he was asking me this question, and then he kind of answered it. He said, so it probably just happens because you're just kind of like in it all the time, right? I said, yep, just kind of happens that way. When you find people that have a walk with God and a depth, and the word comes out of them, and you just—it's there. Many times, and I had those folks in my life as well. And I'd look at them, and I'm like, man, I would like to be them. People have literally come to me and said, I'd like to be this person, or I'd like to be that person, or I—I I wish I could have that. You know, I tell them, well, do what they do every day for about twenty years, and you'll be them. That's how that works. Do what they do. What is it that they do? Just engage, connect. I told Bo, I'm like, come to church, man. Be in a group. Read the scripture. Listen to people preach. Put yourself into that space. Just be in it. Just be in it. Filter through. Talk with someone. Iron sharpen iron. Be in that space of the word of God. Jesus was doing that, and you're going to read it this week. He was doing that when he was 12 years old. He was hanging out in the word of God. He found opportunity. You see we're both looking for opportunity. This thing rises and falls on how we handle and how Satan handles opportunity. It rises and falls on that. What about the sick animal? The wounded or the how about this? The diseased. The dis where there is no expectation there is no offense (laughs) my brother we talk about stress he's 65 He, he just turned 65 a few weeks ago he said I don't have any stress in my life I'm like really you have two kids, I have two kids. You have bills, I have bills. You have a job, I have a job. You... Nope. he told me this years ago. I don't have any stress in my life. Okay. How is that? He said, well, to have stress you have to care, and I don't care. <laughs> okay. All righty. We'll give that a try. No expectation, no offense. Satan's looking for opportunity. Hear me. No expectation, no offense. But here's the deal. So many of us have been damaged and hurt and rear-ended and knocked around and dumped to the side of the road by the world. And our life of following other gods. And then we hear what Melinda says about salvation, freedom, and redemption. And we hear this plan and we hear this Jesus. And we come into a space like this, but it's full of people, and our expectation is that this is so much different, except it's full of people. Recently I called someone that had applied to a position at Hamilton Center, and it had taken several weeks. The HR department had some other things, I guess, I don't know, it took several weeks, and I called them up, this candidate. And I said, hey, are you still interested in this position? candidate said you know what I took a, a job with a different company I said okay all right I'm just sorry for our delay just checking on you she said yeah yeah, yeah. she said but you know I think I might have made a mistake I said really I might have made a mistake going with this company instead of you guys I said okay tell me why you think that well they have a lot of I was with the people and like the people there's a lot of negativity in the people and they're very disorganized I said, okay, let me stop you right there, okay? Let me just, boop, let me pause you right there. This company has people as well. You'll find plenty of negativity, and we're disorganized. Now, there's a plan. Here's our path. We're trying to march out, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our expectation is that there's nothing that ever goes wrong in here. God help you with your expectation of me. That I would never offend you. That I would never hurt you. I I, I know I do that. I know I will. I want you to know I never want to. Expectations. No expectation, no offense. But when there is expectation, Pile the offense on. Pile the wounding on. And when we are offended, Ephesians 4 says, be angry, don't sin. Then it goes on to say, don't give place to the devil. The NIV actually says, don't give the devil a foothold. What? Are you kidding me? Give the devil a foothold in my life? How? By being angry? Is that it? It's by letting the sun go down on your anger. Be angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil a foothold. You're allowed to be angry. I'm allowed to be angry. It says be angry. Sometimes I just like to quote that. (laughs) You're allowed to be angry. You're just not allowed to hold it. I mean, you can hold it, but there are consequences. And the consequences are you give place, I give place to the devil. That's a big deal. Now, what's happening when we hold on to stuff, again, it is about expectation. And the reason that I found studying this, living it, being a human being, being a pastor, all those things together, and just paying attention to it a lot, what I found is that when someone offends me, they did something, but I don't hold on to it because of what was done. I find... That most people hold on to it because of who did it. Not what was done, but who did it. That shows the presence of resentment. I resent you. Which is why a place like a church, where you come in with these expectations, it's a hotbed to be offended. We have these expectations, and we can be wounded And when we get wounded, we are open to infection. And Satan simply waits for an opportune moment. Forgiveness is the trap door to resentment. Forgiveness. You release them. You let them go. It's a choice. I release you. Release you. Not just what was done, but I release my... White knuckle grip around your neck. I release you. Because it's not about what was done. It's about who did it. Again, the power of the word of God. Psalm 119. 165. Psalm 119 is a huge. It's the biggest chapter in the Bible. Right. Verse 165 says this. Great peace have they who love your law. and Nothing can make them stumble. Great peace have they that love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. The version I learned as a kid. Great peace have they that love your law, and nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall offend them. I want to rise above offense. I want to stand on the law of the Lord, not my expectations of other people. And Goodness gracious, the forgiveness that we've received should be the measure for the forgiveness that we give. Absolutely. Like it you just pour out of us. Sometimes we're wounded. Sometimes we are diseased, but we need to be built up upon the word of God, as this says. Now I'd also like to take you to Jude. Jude is one chapter, and verse 20 in Jude came to my mind. It says, "Dear friends, build yourselves up. In your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. When I'm wounded and when I'm weak and sickly, what I can do is build myself up, build up my most holy faith. How did it say? Praying in the Holy Spirit, connecting to the Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's a list. It's probably not. Maybe that's just some little rote thing that we go through. It's probably not. It's probably this place where we stop and move in. (coughs) Andrew and I were hanging out yesterday at his house. We were sitting on the back porch looking over this beautiful pond, lovely day. Hung out for an hour and a half, two hours. Beautiful afternoon. In the course of that conversation, we talked about prayer. I said, man, prayer... To me, I don't know, I guess I thought it was a grocery list or something, but I'm not informing God, so I don't think it's that. And then lately, in the last year or two, I've been challenged with, am I praying because I think I have more compassion than you, God? Like, I'm trying to, you know, if you love people as much as I love people, you do this. Like, I'm trying to get him to be an investor or something. That doesn't feel right. I don't love people more than he does. And I told Andrew, I said, what I've come to, I may not even be right, but what I've come to. His prayer for me is aligning. I think I was taught that prayer moves God. And what I've come to understand as a pastor for 30 years is that prayer moves me. God is in his direction and prayer aligns me with what he's doing. I'm not moving him. Prayer is moving me. I said it to Andrew yesterday, I'd say it right now. How many radio stations are coming through this room right now? 10, 12, 15? How many radio stations are shooting through this room right now? And We're not hearing a single one of them. But we could. We a little device and dial in. Dialing into the correct frequency, you'll hear country music. You'll hear country music. Another country music station. <laughs> A lot of country music. Right? You dial in, you're going to hear different stations on different frequencies. How's that feel for prayer? Me coming to the Lord to align with what he's doing. Let me read this in context. Verse 20, but let me, let me take you back to 17. Dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. Now. Think about the lion. Think about the weak, the new, the sick. Think about this. Think about the tactic of the lion and read with me. Verse 18. They said to you in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you. Who follow mere natural instincts. And do not have the Spirit. Now verse 20. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. There are people that are not following the Spirit. They are following natural instinct. And the intent and purpose is to divide. And if you're a lion, that's all you're trying to do. You're not afraid of the whole pack. I'm just trying to divide one. Everybody else can stay together. I'm just trying to pick off one. I just need one. I'm just waiting for the opportune time of somebody to stumble. And when someone stumbles, we're on them. When someone isolates, wounded, broken, carries it on your own, that's not the way to do it. That's not the way it's supposed to be done. Because just like someone in our natural life picking out a mark of someone that they're going to take advantage of, manipulate, they're going to isolate, take you out. An opportune time. But we can build ourselves up. When we're on the edge, the one who is... Straying, And it may be straying because they're looking to some other god or something else, right? But it can be straying because we're new. It can be straying because we're isolated. One of the things we value is connection. Truly being connected. Truly knowing if you're here and not here. And missing you and calling and reaching out. Larry Comer is not here today. Larry sent me a text last night. He said, Pastor, not that he has to do this, but I appreciate it. He said, Pastor, can I be excused from church in the morning? I'll be expecting those from you in the next few weeks. And, and, and I'll get back to you if you're excused or not. Larry said, can I be excused from church tomorrow? I'm going to go to Riley because April is there. With Jocelyn, and somebody needs to be with her. I'm like, you go, brother. And we're praying, and you let us know. Because we value connection. That's exactly what should happen. Someone's struggling, isolated, but someone from the herd is going to go and be there. And intentionally be there. And it's far more important than this. As important as this is, him being there is far more important. Because Satan looks for opportune time. I had a conversation this week with someone. I'm going to give you the PG version. We were talking, and he said, Man, I believe in God. I don't need all that church crap. I thought, "Oh, that might that might make the cut for Sunday." <laughs> I believe in God, but I don't need all that church crap. I'm not even sure the guy knows I'm a pastor. What's he saying? Well, my friend, I think I understand. I'm pretty sure I'm I'm not sure. I could ask him, I guess, but I'm pretty sure I've gone to church longer than he has. I don't really like the church crap either. (laughs) Right? Beep. (laughs) I don't really like it either. But I need the community, I need the connection, I need to be with God's people. I need to feel your worship. I need your prayer. This has been a while back. One time I came up here to pray, and nobody came and prayed with me. And I got up to preach afterwards, and I said, Please don't let that ever happen again for me or anybody else. If I'm up here praying, come pray with me. Why would you not? Please. We need community. We need the connection. We need to be together. We don't need to hold that stuff on our own. That's not the plan of God. This is a body. This is a body. A body of Christ. Attendance. Back there on, the, on our wall, our mural. Attendance is the number one thing. It is step one, and it is step one for a reason. And the dynamics of attendance are simple. You're less connected when you're not here, and you're more connected when you are. I don't know what to say. Like you're less connected when you're not here. You're more connected when you are. And I get it. Things come up. I got. I get it. I totally get it. But he looks for an opportune time. I want to point out something that came to my mind. Samson's process is what I'm going to call that. Do you have that? uh, Eli, throw up Judges 14. If you have it, I won't look it up. Samson had this process. I want to read these three verses to you. Samson went down to Timnah, and he saw there a young Philistine woman. Verse 2. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I've seen this Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Okay? His father and mother replied, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives? Right? Or among all your people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She is the right one for me. Okay. He saw a woman. He saw something. He had to have her. You know, Samson's birth was amazing. It was supernatural. Not that every birth isn't easily considered supernatural. But he was called from the womb to be a Nazarite. Jesus was a Nazarene because he was from Nazareth. John the Baptist is a Nazarite. John the Baptist. Samson, Nazarite. Samuel the prophet was a Nazarite. Those were men that didn't cut their hair, they didn't drink strong drink, they didn't drink wine, and they didn't touch dead bodies. Samson blew that all to pieces. He created his own dead bodies, right? He blew that all to pieces. But that was his calling. And he sees this woman, he says, I must have her. Let's go down to chapter 16. There are three women in his life. Three women mentioned in the scripture For Samson. In this one, one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. Okay, initially he's just looking away that I need this. It's just a look away, right? And then he ups the ante a little bit. A little less socially acceptable. And then, Judges 16, 4, three verses later, is the third woman in his life. Sometime later he fell in love with a woman in the Valley of Sorek, and her name was Delilah. And we know how that story ended. Right? And this process of disconnection, this process of being on the edge or, or straying away, there are opportunities for us as well that we simply have to say no to. Samson didn't have algorithms. Or did he? Satan has had an algorithm forever. You know when you look up golf clubs on the internet and then your Facebook feed is trying to get you to buy Callaway golf clubs all of a sudden? Remember that? Satan has an algorithm. He sees where you're looking, and he'll let you step there, and then everything else changes. He's going to put something else in front of you because you step there. And once you step there, once I step there, it's easy to slide over here. And step by step by step by step, and he waits for an opportunity. And with Shannon sitting between Brian and Arnick, I'm not messing with Shannon. I'm smart enough to know that. She walks over here, and then she walks over here, and then she's here, and then she's back here. This room is full of people that have walked that journey. Deceived. Enticed. We are not ignorant of his devices. Satan waits for an opportune time. He's in no rush. He can wait it out. And he does. When will Satan see an opportune moment in you? That's the question for the morning And I'd like to encourage you with this. You don't have to have one. You don't have to give him an opportune time. It's not a done deal. He can look for an opportune time all day long, but Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. When did he get Jesus? When was that moment that he's like, ah, I got you? When he thought he got him, he played into the whole thing. He was the fool. There was only one fool in the room, and it was Satan. Jesus, didn't, Jesus never had that moment. He was full of the Spirit, prayerful, connected, in community. So stay connected. Stay engaged. Stay alert. You don't have to have an opportune time. He'll be waiting down there. I promise you that. But he doesn't have to get you. Arnick, why don't you come up, man? I want to look at one last passage of Scripture in closing. In Acts, chapter 24. Verse 24. This is a little story tucked away in the story of Paul and his imprisonment. It says, several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewish, and he sent for Paul. Felix is the governor. He sends for Paul. And he listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. So Felix is this governor. And he brings Paul in and he listens. And Paul speaks. It says specifically, he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. And as Paul discoursed on righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid. Something was moving in this guy. This man that could have had Paul killed in a second. He could be afraid and just cut his throat. He had way more power in that moment. Something grips him and he says, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I'll send for you. When I find it convenient, I'll send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. But when two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. Because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. Here's the deal. He was afraid and he stopped the moment. He isolated himself from the one who could have explained and helped. When that moment happens and God is prompting, that's not the time to leave. That's the time to engage. That's the time to find somebody with a walk with God and say, help me unpack this thing. Help me figure this out. What's going on? Have you walked in this space? And I'm going to guarantee you that God will help you intersect people that have walked that space for you. He spoke of a more opportune or a convenient time. And he left Paul in prison. He was aware. He was aware the whole time. He could have called him back at any moment. He didn't. So we've talked about Satan's opportune times, but what about the opportune times that we have to shut Satan out? How many of those have we had this morning? Think about it. How many opportune times have we had this morning? Opportunities to shut him out. Opportunities to not be weak, but strong. Opportunities to not be disconnected, but more connected and how many have we stepped into what about now what about right now how difficult is it right now to turn your attention to pray how difficult would that be right now to turn your attention to pray we talked about it this morning in our in our morning group we all prayed together and then we we said you know you know when you're praying you know and prayer your tone changes all all the planes are landing You know that, right? And then you land the plane. Amen. And I looked around at the guys. And I said, you think we could start praying again? Because we could. My pastor challenged me years ago. He said, Andy, when you pray, do you pray until you're done? Or do you pray until God's done? What do you do, buddy? In your prayer time, do I pray until I'm done or he's done? And that's not meant for guilt or shame. It's about connection. So what are those moments that we have today? How difficult would it be to turn our thought to be grateful and thankful? My kids call her grandmommy. I call her ma. Her name is Jane Bishop. She's been a mother for me longer than my own mother was. And Melinda knows when we were first married, we'd be in their home. And Ma would be walking around. She's famous biscuits, chocolate gravy. Bless the Lord, man. She's making stuff, and she'd just wander around, just wandering in the kitchen by herself. Listen to what she'd say. I'll tell you what she'd say. Listen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. connected taking advantage of every opportunity when is opportunity knocking every minute of the day pray without every minute of the day every minute of the day pray without ceasing worship the lord be grateful speak and commune with god Provide space for the spirit, a listening ear every minute of the day. I don't know what that little beepy thing was a minute ago. Someone's phone, I don't know what was going on. But we all have one of those in our pocket. And we have the course of our day all planned out. And then that little computer goes off. Everything stops. look at it and it gets our attention and we answer it and we respond you're not going to read our emails but 100 of text messages are seen let's live that way for the lord that as we're walking with god we get a text from god we see it we respond we hear it ding we answer As we're walking through our day, because we have the course of our life, but the moments that we can connect. It's a little bit past 1130. I went five minutes longer than I wanted to. But I want you to be able to be able to respond to something in this space. Satan is looking for an opportune moment for every one of us. And he's willing to wait. We don't have to give him the moment. We can be connected up front. We don't have to be reactive. We can truly be proactive in our connections. Shannon never has to leave Brian and Arnick. They just be with them. Just, we walk in packs. We walk in packs. Don't we tell our kids that when they go to like Six Flags and junk like that? like, stay in a pack. We don't go on to say the rest because there are lions walking around the park that got up this morning specifically to find somebody like you to sex traffic, or take away, stay in a pack. This is the pack. This is the pack. This is the community. Arnick is gonna sing, I'm gonna invite you, whatever it might be, to just simply step into that space. There's an opportunity right now. There was an opportunity before I said that, there'll be an opportunity as you walk through the doors and go to the car, you can be grandmommy. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I don't have to pray an hour. I don't have to pray three minutes. All I have to say is, Lord, touch Jocelyn in that hospital room right now. Be with her, Jesus. The prompting of the Spirit when we're full of the Spirit. Amen. Say, bro.
1: Spirit lead me my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters Wherever you would call me And take me deeper than my feet could ever wander And my faith would be made stronger In the presence of my Savior Spirit your
0: spirit